0: This happened a long time ago. I was just a kid, but it still kind of haunts me all these years later. It's like a bad dream that occasionally pops back into my head on cold nights when I'm alone. I can still feel the chills in my flesh and hear the gut-wrenching screams of the boy I was with. My mother took me to my uncle's house during the summer break from school. He had just moved way out in the mountains in Tennessee after retiring from the Air Force. There were a few vacation cabins in his area that filled up in the summer months. I met a few other kids on the bike trail that wrapped around the creek right below my uncle's home. We would all ride together through the various trails that looped throughout the area, sometimes racing, sometimes just casually riding while trading jokes and whatnot. One evening, shortly before sunset, a boy named Jared told us a story about a haunted cabin nearby as we cruised through the winding dirt trails together. He claimed that it was only a 10-minute ride down the straight trail that veered off the main path by the creek. Jared dared me to go with him to investigate it. I didn't want to go, and I had a bad feeling right from the get-go. But peer pressure and my desire to be accepted, or like by my new group of trail-cruising friends, was stronger than my sense of reason. I knew I had to be home before the sun set behind the mountains, or my mom would be super pissed, so I told him to hurry up and take me. I was secretly praying that it was just all a joke, and we would ride back laughing, but it was no joke, and we didn't ride back laughing. After ten minutes of riding the thin dirt road, just as Jared had promised, we came to a broken gate collapsed in a bushed area. He turned and rode into the area waving me behind him, as if telling me to catch up. I could see beyond the tall trees and the bushy canopy, the outlines of an old cabin. I tried to yell at him that I saw it. We can turn around now and go back. You were right. But he kept going towards it. Reluctantly, I pressed on slowly behind him until the cabin was just about a hundred feet ahead of us. That's when he smashed the brakes on his bike. What's wrong? I asked him. Do you see something? He put his finger over his lips as if to shush me. Just then, I saw a light turn on inside the cabin. A shadow crossed by the window and a jolt of cold air slid up from my toes, up through my spine. The whole area seemed to grow completely silent. The wind disappeared, and the trees stood completely still. It was like the whole forested area was trying to hide itself from something. That's when I noticed its eyes. These blood-red eyes glared from behind the cabin. They seemed to pulsate as they locked in on us, like they were breathing. Just as the eerie silence was swallowing me whole, a vicious crack pounded from the large oak tree just beyond us. It sent a wave of cold vibrations through the hairs of my neck. I could feel my muscles begin to tense and stiffen through my back and my legs. The bulging red eyes were now behind the oak tree, just ten or so feet away. Go, go, go! I screamed as my feet kicked onto the petals. As the two of us flew down this dirt road back towards the gate, I could hear the stomps behind us, gaining distance as each second passed. Just as I thought they couldn't get any closer, I heard Jared let out this horrid, ear-piercing scream. I had never heard anyone scream like that before, or ever since. I could literally feel the fear coming from his scream. I was too afraid to turn around. I pumped the pedals until my legs were shaking, and tears were rolling down my cheeks. Just as I turned the corner at the broken gate, I peered over my shoulder just enough to get a glimpse of what was happening behind me. This massive black beast was inches behind Jared, running on two legs. It was towering over him like some sort of giant hybrid mutant. I don't know if it's even possible, but this beast almost seemed if it was smiling as it ran behind Jared. A wide grin of razor-sharp teeth, with a slobbery, wet tongue protruding forward towards Jared's back, just as we both made it to the regular bike path that led to the gate. The beast stopped. I could hear the sound of the wind again, and the leaves shaking in the trees. But most of all, I could hear the sound of Jared choking on his tears behind me. When we got back, I noticed that the back of his shirt was ripped from top to bottom. It had these three long tears from the collar of his shirt down to the bottom of his back. I don't know what happened to him after that. He and his family left in a rush early the next morning. I told my mom and uncle about it but they assured me over and over again that it was a black bear or something like that. They admitted that we were indeed very lucky to escape from it, and I was forbidden to ride out of view from the house anymore. But I know damn well, that wasn't a bear. That was something manifested straight from the depths of hell. A being of pure evil lurking somewhere in the mountains of Tennessee. Sometimes when I'm walking alone, I can still see those red eyes appear in my peripheral vision. And then disappear when I look. It's like they're following me everywhere I go, even when I sleep. Hi Donovan. We used to play ghost games when we were kids, but I never really believed in them until I actually saw one myself. I used to have a job at the local movie theater when I was home from college for the summer. Me and a couple of my friends worked as morning cleaners. It was a fairly big building with three big screen rooms, four mid-sized screens and three small screens. My job was to clean all the screening rooms. My shift went from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. It would take me about 20 minutes to get to work from where I live. The theater was out in an area that was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. The first couple of weeks that I worked there, nothing out of the ordinary happened. Typically, there would only be two or three of us working during a shift. Most of the time, I was alone cleaning and listening to my iPod. Sometimes we'd meet up with the day shift when they arrived and give them the details on any maintenance issues and stuff that we were dealing with. One day in particular, my manager asked me if we ever noticed the front doors being unlocked when we arrived in the morning. I told him that I never noticed it. He said that customers had been complaining about a tall, lanky man in a suit that had been following them from theater to theater and sometimes into the bathroom. A couple of times people would come to the ticket area really frightened. They would describe the man almost 7 feet tall wearing a black suit. And they always said he was wearing one of those old-fashioned bowler caps. Apparently, he would walk slowly after them like he was stalking them. And he seemed threatening. But whenever a theater employee went to check it out, there was no sign of him. A few times the police were even called. It became so common that the business started to suffer. Everyone just referred to him as the Tall Man. Occasionally, an employee would catch a glimpse of him sneaking into the theater. But whenever they pursued him, the theater would turn out to be empty. So there were ten theater rooms total. But Theater 5 seemed to be the one where the Tall Man was seen most often. Nobody wanted to clean out Theater 5. When I first started, I was fairly naive about ghosts and spirits. And I didn't feel apprehensive about them so they kept assigning me to be the one to clean it out. Theater 5 was in a unique spot, since it sat behind the bathrooms in the lobby. In order to get to it, you had to walk down this long hallway before reaching the screening room. Being back that far made you the most secluded, especially when it was 4 a.m., and the only other people were on the other side of the building. It was strange. People cleaning there would complain of nosebleeds, constant headaches, and the feeling that they're being watched. Usually in the morning, if you were the first to arrive, it was your job to walk up into the projector rooms and turn the lights on all the theaters. It was an easy job, but the top floor with the projectors had a lot of life-size cutouts of movie characters and massive posters. And in the dark, they could be a little creepy. I had done this several times before, and since I was the first to arrive, I went about turning the lights on. The projector area itself was dark. We would usually carry a flashlight with us while going around flipping on all the switches. I was walking through the dark hallway of projectors, flipping everything on. I had forgotten my iPod and I was kind of whistling the Don't Worry Be Happy song to myself as I walked down this corridor. I started getting that feeling of being watched again. I looked out several yards away and in the area with the projectors overlooking the IMAX theater rooms, something was staring back at me. I stopped whistling and tried to focus my eyes. I knew it must be one of those cardboard cutouts. They were everywhere, so I kind of dismissed it, and I was about to flip the next switch when the cutout moved and I froze. It was a figure hunched over. It was whistling the tune I had just been whistling. It was imitating me, but it was doing it much slower. That really creeped me out. My heart started pounding. It rose up from its crouch until it was standing at least seven feet tall. It was a man. All I could see was a silhouette against the red exit sign lights and some of the projector computer monitors. It started coming toward me and kept whistling really slowly. I wanted to move, but for some reason my feet were cemented to the floor, and my mouth had gotten so dry I couldn't even scream. I didn't know what to do. It was definitely the tall man. He took some steps toward me, He walked crookedly like he had a bit of a limp in his left leg. It was like a nightmare with this guy limping toward me. He had taken about three or four steps toward me when suddenly he rushed at me and I felt ice cold like he went right through me. Then he was gone. I turned around and ran down the steps. I found my boss and the rest of the crew. I told them what had happened and thank God they believed me after all the reports that they had heard. They all tried to reassure me and say that he had never been known to hurt anyone. Probably just enjoying spooking people. I didn't care though. That experience alone was enough to make me put my two weeks notice in. It was way too creepy for me. I really don't know how I'm alive today. Maybe I'm just one lucky son of a gun who made it against all odds. I should be dead and my family should be visiting my grave. I'm a farmer and I've been my whole life. My dad was a farmer, and so was his all the way back. My granddad used to claim that our family came over on the Mayflower. I always thought that was a cool story, so I told people that too. My dad was a goat farmer in particular. I decided to carry on that tradition. We had 30 acres of land, all dedicated to goats. As a goat farmer, sometimes it feels like the goat life cycle is more important than you are. The season when all the mama goats would give birth to their kids felt more important than Easter on the farm. That was about the time of year that this all happened, when I just about lost my life. The mama goats weren't quite ready to have their kids yet, probably a couple weeks, and we have plenty of little goats running around the farm. I was in the barn late at night. I was doing the routine daily checks to make sure all the mother goats were healthy. If they seemed too cold or malnourished, or like they might be getting sick, I had a special stall in our basement set up for them. All the goats seemed fine, which was a really good sign. I've had years before where a half a dozen moms get sick, and that's a huge expensive hassle. I was feeling good about our prospects this year. Little did I know that tragedy was soon to strike. I was not going to have a good year at all. It was late and the wind was blowing against the side of the barn. It was really whistling through some of the gaps, which I needed to fix. I smelled something kind of weird in the air, but didn't think a lot of it. There were a lot of weird smells in a barn full of goats. It smelled really bad, kind of like sulfur. Immediately, my mind went to a gas leak. The gas utilities will just put a little bit of sulfur into the gas line so you can smell if there's a leak. Otherwise, the gas is completely unnoticeable and can kill you without you even knowing it. I knew it was weird, but I kept about my work anyways. I was almost done and wanted to get inside the house and get warm. I had just a few goats to check on. That's when everything went to hell. Literally. That demon broke through one of the hayloft openings. It must have been prowling around outside, trying to figure how to get in. And that's why I smelled it first. I knew immediately how it had gotten up to the loft. This thing had wings that it could use to fly up the 10 feet to go get in that way. They were huge like bat wings, really big, and absolutely grotesque looking. That wasn't the only thing about it that terrified me. It was really tall at least like 6 or 7 feet tall, had these long legs like a crane, or one of those African birds that steps on lizards to kill them. It had these big talons too, bigger than any bird that I've ever seen. Despite the wings and the talons and the crane-like legs, I knew that this demon creature wasn't some freakish bird of prey that escaped from a zoo. It had the head of a goat, just like one of my own. It was long and flat and had these eyes on the side of its head. Those eyes were the scariest part. They were a mixture between orange and red, and they had the same rectangular pupils as one of my goats. On top of its head, there were two long, slightly curved horns. The beast perched for a second on the hayloft, looking down at my precious goats. They were my livelihood, the thing I depended on to pay my bills and put food on the table. This thing didn't care, and decided to have its fill on them instead. It spread its wings and descended onto my goats, who were all screaming from terror and fright. I'm sure that I joined them, my own screams lost in theirs. I watched that thing rip them to pieces, killing a male and female alike, and eating them alive. It was truly one of the most terrifying things I've ever witnessed. I was pressed up against the wall, hoping that this thing wouldn't see me and decide I was a tastier dinner. I watched its mouth open and reveal these fangs that tore into my poor animals. After several minutes, it grabbed one of my mama goats in its talons and flapped its wings, returning to the hayloft. I watched it as it disappeared into the darkness, carrying that poor goat with it. I could barely move from the terror I'd experienced. As soon as I could get myself to move, I ran from the barn to the house. I couldn't get myself to check on the surviving goats until the next day, when it was light out. I didn't know if that thing would come back for more, and I sincerely prayed that it wouldn't. That thing killed three goats of mine. They had huge chunks torn out of their chest and necks. That attack ruined me mentally. I've always tried to get into the house before dark since then. I'm so scared of this thing coming back. I really can't believe I survived. I bring a handgun out with me if I do have to go out at night just in case it returns. It's one of the worst experiences I've ever had. Thanks for watching and let me know what you think of these stories in the comments below. Don't forget that you can listen to all of my episodes on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. And check out Donovan Dread 2 where I release shorter content. Same great encounters, just a little bit shorter. Thanks and take care.